Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Look through your children's eyes, and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Halsey opened up about receiving criticism for working while pregnant following their miscarriages. Jojo Siwa will be part of the first same-sex couple on the American version of Dancing with the Stars. And author and professor Beth Nguyen discusses how Netflix's The Chair hits a little too close to home for academia's women of color. It's August 27th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Stephen LeConte. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. All right, so to kick things off, Halsey recently shared their feelings about being pregnant in the public eye and the criticisms that came with it. They told Apple Music in an interview that despite being 26, financially independent, and pretty far along in their career, they got, quote, treated like a teen mom a lot of the time. Halsey added, quote, people were like, oh my God, you're so young and you have so much to do in your career and you're not married. It triggered all of these feelings of shame for when I was younger. They also opened up about facing backlash for not taking it easy during their pregnancy after experiencing multiple miscarriages, saying, quote, I think everyone who has heard me yearn for motherhood and yearn for this for so long would have expected me to write the album that was full of gratitude. And instead, I was like, no, this shit is so scary and so horrifying. I mean, Casey, my first question here is when will we as a society stop shaming parents for the ways that they behave You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we have this conversation uh, at least five times a week now. And and I think it's ridiculous, by the way, that people are going to Halsey and saying, oh, you're not married. You're so young. Halsey is a pop star with a net worth like that that most people could not even conceive of. They can take care of a baby however they want to take care of a baby. They also, you know, didn't mention this, but it just like makes me think of also like, and I'm sure they got this when they're in the public eye of like when you are pregnant and if you have gone through miscarriages before, it'd be like, oh, are you being careful? Like watch out for the baby. And I'm like, oh my God, it's their baby. It's their body. Oh my God. I don't even know how to complete that sentence, you know? No, it's true. Yeah. Trust that the person knows their body. Trust that they're (laughs) working with their doctors and having those conversations and that you don't have to do that work for Mm -hmm. them. Right. Exactly. Uh, 
where I really want to give Halsey credit, you know, to talk about the darker aspects of being a parent, I think that can be really difficult. Um, it obviously comes with a lot of uh, judgment, and uh, I think they should just be praised for having such an open dialogue about the realities of being a parent, which is not always a bright, happy, positive thing. Nope. All right. Well, moving on. After over 16 years on the air, the U.S. version of Dancing with the Stars has finally cast its first same-sex couple. This comes as the show officially announces two cast members, Olympic gold medalist Suni Lee and Jojo Siwa. Siwa will make history as the first same-sex pairing with a female partner, and Suni, I assume, will be paired with a male partner, uh, like what usually happens with female contestants (laughs) on the show. It's going to be the best ever. I can't wait to just dance every single week. I can't wait to meet my partner. Oh my gosh, there's so many things I'm so excited for. (laughs) Okay, usually, you know, my first reaction is to talk about gay. But actually, I want to talk about how's this show been up for 16 years? (laughs) Time time flies. Even that upsets me. Look, I know when I read that too, I was like, oh, 16 years. Do you, do you know what's wild is that I watch a lot of TV, like a shocking amount, like that I don't want to even reveal on this show how much I watch, but I don't watch Dancing with the Stars. But you know what? I will because to bring it full circle, gay. <laughs> yes. And honestly, I mean, I I have to admit, sometimes I do dabble in the Dancing with the Stars universe. And I've always wondered because they've had plenty of like gay contestants on the past. But no, but you're, you're so right there have been many gay men contestants on the show and they're still paired with a female dancer and that does make me wonder i'm like did jojo ask for it and if so cool i would love to know how that conversation went because i know that dancing with the stars as many of these like primetime network reality shows do has a more conservative leaning audience of you know make maybe middle america and maybe they've never seen like a queer female dance couple before. I also think it's really cool that it's someone so young who really represents the, uh, the future um, of the LGBT community oh, in a I'm lot so of ways. I'm so excited. I will be Me watching. <laughs> and, I'm happy for, for, and I'm happy for SUNY too. Um, she's had a major year, uh, obviously won gold in uh, Tokyo this summer. And um, yeah, Loki. And the rest of the cast is going to be announced later, but we know Suni and we know Jojo. No, I'm so glad season. she's taking she's taking that career you needed to take, you know? If you want to be Absolutely. more than just an athlete, she is, which is still enough, everyone. Oh my God. <laughs> but, you know, like if you want to be in front of the camera, this is one way to do it for sure. No, it's so true. This is the trajectory. Olympic gold, dancing with the stars. Yes, you have And to. then you're just like an influencer and you make a lot of money. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So moving on in Netflix's new show, The Chair, Sandra Oh plays the first female chair of the English department at a fictional liberal arts college. Her character, Ji Yoon Kim, is trying to keep it together between the demands of single parenthood and a job she didn't exactly see for herself. Take a listen. When my mom was sick, I tried to start cooking to help out. But she was like, go study. I was going to be a doctor. Now I'm scared to show my face on campus. Ever been uh, on the cover of a newspaper for having inflicted harm on a large group of people? Since this is your daughter's session, I'm going to move on to her now if that's okay. Well, it uses comedy to depict the ups and downs of academia, author and professor Beth Nguyen said in her recent Time Magazine piece that the chair is actually a pretty spot-on portrayal of what it's really like to be a woman professor of color which often makes it more painful than funny. And she's joining us now with more. Hi, Beth. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, We're so glad to have you here. So first of all, for listeners who haven't seen it yet, can you first give a brief overview on what The Chair is all about? The Chair is an incredible, intimate look at how universities run from a faculty point of view. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And what do you think of Sandra Oh's performance? Can you explain like what role she plays on the show and the big reaction she's getting from fans right now? Sandra Oh is always perfection. (laughs) And in this role, she is funny. She's tough. She's complicated. She's tender all at once. She is the colleague everybody would love to have. (laughs) And she is, she in this is playing a professor. She's an English professor. And now she is new in the role of chair of the department, which is a thankless task. Nobody wants to be chair. It's tremendous amount of work. I mean, you, you get a nice office, Well, most people don't, but she gets a nice office, (laughs) but she has all the problems to deal with. So you experienced a very similar path. Can you talk a bit about your own background in academia and the similarities your career shares with Sandra O's character's career? Yeah, I've been in academia for about 20 years, which sounds incredible as I say that. And I've been in all of the positions in terms of like assistant professor, associate professor, professor, you know, head of a department in terms of like directing it and running it and just getting to see along the way how hierarchical and how complicated academia is. It is a place of a lot of entrenched values that, you know, change can often be resisted. And it's really hard to be a professor of color trying to enact change. You know, you wrote about how it's actually painful to watch sometimes. What are some examples of the scenarios that really hit too close to home for you? One of the moments that really stood out to me was when the dean at a party says, you know, about June, he describes her, you know, with a Shakespeare quote. I think it's something like, though she be but little, she's fierce. Mm. And it's incredibly condescending. And I remember that there was a professor who once said that to me directly. Wow. You know, and it's just the whole like, oh, you're so, you're so little, you're so small, you're so Asian, you're so cute. I can't believe you are the one who's supposed to be taking a leadership role. Wow. You know, what you're saying right now also reminds me of something we see on the show, which is this pointing to the fact that women of color are often forced to try and like hide themselves, suppress any hint of boldness whatsoever, even down to the way that they dress. Uh, Is this something that's really pervasive in academia? It really is because of the bigger picture. The bigger picture is the health of your department, the health of your, you know, college, your university. You you want everybody to do their best work. And sometimes, you know, you, that's what you're thinking about. It's like, I want everything to work out well. So I'm going to take the fall. I'm going to do the work. I'm just not going to say the thing that I wish I could say, because I know it'll cause bigger problems. Just maintaining the comfort of you know, frankly, a lot of white professors is a significant part of the job. It's just that they don't realize that that's what we're doing. Mm. Well, we'll be right back. We've got more with writer and professor Beth Nguyen after the break. Chief-It. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. 
It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. First in the pages of the magazine, then on SI.com. And now that tradition continues on a new podcast. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. We'll ask the questions that we're all wondering and push for the answers we all want. Everything from investigating the Super Bowl's impact on L.A. to examining why booing is as big a part of the fan experience as cheering. Sports Illustrated Weekly is here to bring you the entertaining tales you can't get anywhere else. The kinds of stories that make you smile and laugh, clap and cry, marvel, think, and fall in love with sports all over again. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now. This is Roxanne Gay, host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Now, what is the Roxanne Gay Agenda, you might ask? Well, it's a podcast where I'm going to speak my mind about what's on my mind, and that could be anything. Every week, I will be in conversation with an interesting person who has something to say. We're going to talk about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. I start each show with a recommendation. Really, I'm just going to share with you a movie or a book or maybe some music or a comedy set, something that I really want you to be aware of and maybe engage with as well. Listen to the Luminary Original Podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Beth Nguyen about Netflix's The Chair and its portrayal of academia's women of color. While the show focuses on the challenges faced by one woman professor, there's a broader issue at hand about the overall state of academia. Do you think the show does a good job at reflecting the often futile efforts of trying to change an academic system that has been in place for years? I think there's a lot of accuracy. Yes. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm sorry to say that, but I do think it it is so hard to create change. But what we also see is that change does happen. It's just sort of slow and it's just never as as intense as we would like it to be. I think it's important to remember that the show is from a professor's point of view. So, you know, we don't get a lot of the, you know, complicated characterization of students that I would have liked to see because it really is about what it's like for a professor. Yeah. You know, in your piece uh, for time, you got into how people of color often have to like clean up messes that white people made, specifically white men have made. Um, Certainly in the world, we see a lot of examples of that basically everywhere you look. Can you talk a bit about how that plays out in the world of academia? Well, you know, universities by and large have been dominated by whiteness and white stories and white entitlement, you know, frankly. And so when you are coming in as someone who is, you know, doesn't fit that profile, often you end up being tokenized and having to inherit a huge number of messes, you know, is also a factor of having to deal with a generational shift. And that's just a lot to manage because like the, the generation of like, for example, Joan in the show, that generation 
taught us, like taught my generation, and like now my generation X is trying to help the younger generations come up and lead and do everything that you know we didn't get to do. It's you know complicated being in the middle. Mm. You know, you brought up the student's perspective, but aside from that, are there aspects of life as a college professor that you wish the show had explored more deeply? I mean, we only got six episodes of it. So while it scratches the surface, I imagine there's a lot more we don't know. I actually think that (laughs) there are a lot of aspects that are really demoralizing Mm -hmm. that maybe the show doesn't want to get into. (laughs) Oh boy, do you you have any uh, specifics that you're able to share? Maybe not at a place like Pembroke, but I mean, I once, I more than once, twice taught at universities that did not value the humanities at all Mm. and made us feel like we were, you know, should be living in vans down by the river. You know, and I think that is a real experience for a lot of professors. And then, you know, adjunct faculty uh, have a completely different experience Mm. from tenure and tenure track faculty. Right. You know, the show obviously uses humor to tackle some pretty serious subjects. Uh, Given that this story and Sandra's character in particular hits so close to home for you, and I would imagine like gets close to a point of real pain for you. I'm curious if the humor helps soothe any of that pain for you. Overall, are you satisfied with the way the chair attempted to tell the story? I think the humor is so important. I laughed a lot when I was watching the chair because it's a laughter of recognition. If we cannot laugh at the strange condition of our profession, what are we going to do? A lot of it is completely ludicrous and absurd. And I really appreciated how the writers you know, pointed that out and also showed how characters, which is, you know, this is funny and tragic and really real and awful. Characters like Bill Dobson take up so much space. You know, he's like this hapless white guy, stereotypical, you know, white guy professor. And he just seems intent on not paying attention to what he's doing and therefore everybody else around him has to scramble to try to fix you know his mistakes Mm. well seriously thank you so much for joining us today and just giving us a little bit more insight into this world oh thank you so much that's it for today come back and join us on monday and remember you're legally obligated to watch dancing if it's gay Yes, you are. BuzzFeed Daily is produced by Dan Bauza, Joshua Burnley, Tanya Bustos, Jess Goodwin, and Eric Nedinin. And special thanks to Samantha Hennick and Tommy Wesley. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. 
He always liked to go to the woods. Listen to The Shadow Girls on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.